This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with Harrison Zuckerberg, and we are your fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win while also finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. We're a part of the Unpacking It podcast network, and I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministries studio in Charlotte, North Carolina, and fired up for today's show as we share some of our favorite strategies and tips for drafting. It is draft season. August is officially draft season all the way up to the start of the regular season in the NFL. And so we will be with you for the next few weeks to offer you tips and strategies. And we'll kind of debut some of our our biggest ones uh, this week. And then in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll share a few more as well as, as different topics pop up. Uh, But also on the show today, we're going to do something called perception versus reality. And we will also, as always, get into this week's breakout topic where we unpack a fantasy concept and relate it to the Bible, relate it to our own lives. And the theme today will be perception versus reality as well. Uh, We'd love for you to be a part of Fantasy Football Fellowship this fall. And so if you want to become a member for yourself, there is an option for that. If you want to have your league as a, as everybody in your league become members and, and do league meetings throughout the season, you can find out information on our website, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. If you want to bring Fantasy Football Fellowship to your church, go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. We also have the option for you to join our, our listener league and, and join leagues within Unpacking It. And so if you would like to be a part of the leagues that we're running and you want to compete against Harrison and I, uh, we'd love to have you join us. Go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy, unpackingit.com slash fantasy. We have five different leagues that you can join and would love for you to be a part of it. We even have a best ball league. Just if you want to be associated with things, uh, but maybe can't commit to the full managing throughout the whole year. Uh, you can check that out. Unpackingit.com slash fantasy. All right, before we say hello to Harrison and and jump in, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. If you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MediShare today. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. MediShare offers programs for every budget. So whether you're an individual or a business owner or a ministry leader, MediShare has options for you. The best part is their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs 
up to $500 a month you, you can save. So, so go to the website, figure out how much you can save. If you, if it's the right fit for you and your family, metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, let's say hello to Harrison training camp underway. Preseason football started last week. We get even more this week. How you feeling? And, and let's, let's jump into uh perception versus reality. And uh, first off, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Bryce. Uh, I just moved back down to Texas, spent the summer in North Carolina. So we're getting set up here in Texas, excited for a new NFL season, but not excited to have to deal with all the Cowboys fans down here. That is probably one of the worst parts about living in Texas. Oh, that's always tricky. Yeah. Unfortunately, no matter where you live, I feel like we have to deal with Cowboys <laughs> fans. That's just, just part of the deal. Um, but let's let's uh, discuss kind of some different players and this this understanding and concept that there are narratives around certain players, there are beliefs about certain players that we are trying to navigate through heading into draft season. And the reality is, or oftentimes, there is a perception, and that doesn't line up to what the reality is, what the truth is about a certain player, what they've done in the past, and also what they're really projected to do this year when we look at the facts, when we look at what's really going on, we can help people, hopefully, and and ourselves as, as fantasy owners, know the difference between, okay, this is the perception, this is the narrative, this is what maybe the, the general fantasy community might be saying, but wait, what, what do the stats say? What's the reality? And so Harrison's going to help us with that. And so who's maybe a, a person that comes to mind initially where you think there's a gap between perception and reality? So initially, I think of Debo Samuel. You know, last year, Debo Samuel was fantastic for fantasy managers. He finished as the wide receiver two overall, but he's currently going between the sixth to ninth receiver range, you know, in the second, maybe even third round of some fantasy drafts. And I think this is because he was completely overshadowed by Cooper Cup's record-breaking year last year. If Debo played in any other season, you know, over the last five, six years, he would have been the clear wide receiver one that year with his same production levels. But because Cup was just so amazing last year, he overshadowed what Debo did and he finished as the wide receiver two. So let's take that into account for a second. What if Cooper Cup didn't have this unbelievable season last year, which obviously no one is expecting him to repeat this year, and Debo did actually finish as the wide receiver one like he would have in almost any other year? Would we really be letting Debo slip into the third round of drafts right now, the overall wide receiver one from the year previous? Or would you say, you know what, he is a first-round lock, maybe not first overall, but at least the second or third wide receiver off the board? I think we look at it from that perspective of what he actually produced last year as a player, not just that he finished second, you know, that stat line, we would be taking that in the first round of our drafts every single year. I guess the, the pushback is Trey Lance, a new quarterback for the whole season, as long as he's healthy. So that changes things a little bit. And then also, will Debo still get as many carries and, and how many will he and, and I'm not sure that that necessarily hurts his overall fantasy value. If he does get less carries, it may actually help him stay healthier throughout the year. And so it kind of boosts him up a little bit. But those are some other things to consider. But one note on the Trey Lance narrative, whether you think he's good or bad, we've seen a history of first-year quarterbacks actually producing great finishes for wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, when he was the number one wide receiver that season in fantasy for the Houston Texans, it was Deshaun Watson's first year starting the whole season as an NFL quarterback. So it can definitely happen where a first-year QB produces a great wide receiver season. 
and they're going to lock in to one guy. They're going to feel more comfortable with one guy. I mean, think about it. Even a veteran guy like Aaron Rodgers finds his one guy, like Devontae Adams, and so we're wondering how he's going to do without him. But, um, but yeah, Trey Lance should find Debo, and, and Debo should have a, a big year for sure. All right, so the, the, the one guy for me, and this is, this is just a classic overlook in fantasy, and it's Kirk Cousins. And the perception of Kirk is he can't win the big games. He can't beat the Packers. He's not an elite quarterback. He's overpaid with his guaranteed unbelievable contract uh, that he's still milking. And the, the reality is, though, he's never injured. And he's had two uh, where he finished as a QB1, kind of you know, top, top 12 to, to, to 14 quarterback um, in, in you know, two different seasons. And he's currently going as QB15. Uh, in ESPN leagues, and what's exciting, they got a brand new coaching staff with Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams. He's got Justin Jefferson. He's got Adam Thielen. He's got a, a, a solid running game. All of that is still in place, and the and the Vikings are they're expected to be a good team. So I'm I'm in on Kirk Cousins this year. You get such great value for him. Figure out the reality with him. Not just he may not be flashy. He may not be the the hype guy, the exciting guy. Might be boring. But he's consistent, and and recently he's he's actually produced very solid QB one numbers, uh, and that especially helps with his his weapons. Even KJ Osborne, another uh, wide receiver that they have, even Irv Smith could take a step as a tight end this year. So Kirk's got plenty around him, and again, the key for me, he's healthy. He's always out there. He's reliable. All right, so let's play a little game as well here as we talk about perception versus reality, and and sometimes it's important for us to look at. You know, you've maybe seen this on, on other fantasy shows, that blind resume, uh, which I think is always key because oftentimes we, we hear a name and then we, we have our own preconceived ideas about somebody. But if we just look at, okay, here's what their resume is. Would you want this guy? Would you take this guy and remove some of those, those uh, other beliefs that maybe have infiltrated over the years? And so, Harrison, why don't you give us uh, somebody that's kind of a blind resume for us to, to – to, consider. All right. So I'll give you a blind resume and, and tell me where you think this guy should be drafted based on, you know, what he's done and what his outlook is for this season, Bryce. So he is a receiver who has finished in the top 15 in fantasy points the last two seasons. He averages more targets per game than Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins. And he is the top red zone threat for a quarterback who has been top 10 in passing touchdowns the last two years. Plus now he has a new creative offensive minded head coach Going into this season, the offense is on the rise. Where do you think this guy should be going in drafts? Yeah, at least third round or, or better. That, so, that sounds like a stud. So would you be surprised to know that this player is actually Adam Thielen, who is going in the seventh round of drafts right now, currently as the wide receiver 31. You just talked up Kirk Cousins. You know, seeing what Thielen actually is, I know no one wants to draft Thielen this year, but are you in on Adam Thielen? I've, I've been a Thielen fan for a long time. Uh, I've had him in fantasy leagues over the years. And what's interesting is there was a couple a year or two where he started getting some hype. But now with Justin Jefferson, Jefferson overshadowing him, now he becomes a little bit more of a steal and, and kind of the, this perception that, oh, he's a number two wide receiver. Uh, is there enough to go around in Minnesota? Eh, Adam Thielen's just a touchdown machine. Yeah. He's a touchdown machine. Like, it's almost like held against him. Like, oh, he just scores a lot of touchdowns. Of course he does. He's Kirk Cousins' guy in the red zone. He's not, that's not going to go away. 
Now, Jefferson will have some big plays, and he'll, he'll produce, no question about it. But Thielen is reliable. It's not like he's, he's too old of a receiver either. Um, it's not like he's, he's had a couple minor injuries here and there for sure, uh, but nothing, nothing major that, that's going to you know, slow him down or keep him out. So, yeah, I guess we're all in on the Vikings. All right, give us one more uh, blind resume today. All right, so I'm going to give you two different rookie seasons and tell me which guy you, know, you would rather take going into their rookie season as, as a fantasy player. Going into the rookie season. Okay. Yes. So this first guy was the third running back selected in his draft with the 41st overall pick. He goes to a team with an, with an average older quarterback, good offensive line, and the backup running back there is primarily a pass catcher who, who's only 5'9". He's not going to take a lot of work. But as a prospect in college, this guy also had a 99th percentile speed score, a 74th percentile burst score, so super explosive, and 55 total touchdowns in college. So great prospect. The second guy was the first running back taken in his draft with the 36th overall pick, goes to a team with an up-and-coming QB, you know, a lot younger than the first guy, good offensive line, where the backup running back is also primarily a pass catcher who's only 5'8". But this prospect had a 99th percentile speed score as well, a 98th percentile burst score, 56 total touchdowns in college, and he also had double the amount of receptions in college as player A. So which guy would you rather have if you're, if you're going to take a rookie running back? Well, it sounds like the, the second one is it, you've, you've hyped up more. So, so this seems to be the guy that, that we want to target. Okay. So they're both phenomenal players. Player A was Jonathan Taylor going into his rookie season. No surprise there that he was going to be a monster. But well, player, but, there, but he went. I remember that year. That was twenty twenty, and he went in about the fourth round that year. Right, fourth and, round and, draft and, and had a good season. Lived up mm-hmm. to that. Was probably even better than that. And then, of course, last year was his breakout year. So player B is actually Brees Hall, rookie running back for the New York Jets this season. Like you said before, Taylor was taken as the RB nineteen in drafts in twenty twenty but finished as the RB6 in PPR leagues and the RB4 in standard leagues. And Brees Hall is currently being taken as the 24th running back in drafts. And his closest athletic comparable to on playerprofile.com, which is a site that you know analyzes players and, and who they're similar to, is actually Jonathan Taylor. So if you were in on Jonathan Taylor coming in as a rookie and you were saying, you know, Naheem Hines is not that much competition, he's going to take over the backfield, there's no reason why you shouldn't be taking Brees Hall in every single draft in the fifth rounds right now with Michael Carter as primarily a pass catching rookie as his only, you know, competition. I, I love Brees Hall this year. The Jets offense, I think, is going to ascend. It's not going to be, you know, quite like the Bengals last year. I think we'll be average this year. And Brees Hall is going to be a stud for them in fantasy football. A very convincing take. And I think this is a great example of perception versus reality because the perception of the Jets is they stink and you don't want any fantasy players uh, or players on your fantasy team from the Jets. And the reality is, and maybe we'll talk about this during draft strategies, but sometimes bad teams can still produce fantasy players and you usually can get them at a discount. And, and so rookies sometimes are, are way overhyped or sometimes are way overlooked. Like rookies are across the board when it comes to ADP and it, what the fantasy community kind of discusses before, uh, before the season. But, but Brees Hall has a, has a lot of potential. And I always like to consider that first running back off the board in the NFL draft. The Jets had their pick of whatever running back they wanted. They went with Brees Hall. That's worth, that's worth considering, uh, especially like you mentioned, 
being able to get him at a later round, especially fifth round. Absolutely. That's, that's definitely worth it. So there you go. There's perception versus reality. We're going to hear from Harrison uh, in just a moment as, as we talk more draft strategies today on this uh, somewhat draft special, but, but I want to get into this week's breakout. And so what we do here on the fancy football fellowship podcast is take a little, little break kind of halftime, but it's a, a breakout that, uh, we take a fancy concept related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And what Fancy Football Fellowship is all about is for you and your league to take the breakouts and unpack and discuss them within your league during league meetings each week throughout the season. And so we have this content available to you uh, as part of your membership. And there, there are discussion questions. There's a challenge for the week. There's a video that goes with it. Uh, so, so, and then of course you can read it, uh, and, and, and go more in depth with it. So check that out. Fancyfootballfellowship.com. Uh, but today I want to talk about this concept of perception versus reality when it comes to our own lives. We just talked about it from a fantasy perspective and, and what does perception mean? You know, some synonyms are belief or a judgment or a feeling or an impression. Now, sometimes the perception is right and correct and and maybe you know we have discernment about something specific or about a person and and our perception is right but oftentimes like we just discussed the perception doesn't always line up with what the reality is and and so i think for one in our own lives what is our perception of of people and how quickly are we to to maybe judge wrongly about somebody based on biases, based on stereotypes, um, that we get an impression from somebody, uh, you know, it's, it's the wrong, you know, we always talk about the first impression with somebody, but sometimes it's right on, but oftentimes it's way wrong. And so the challenge for us when we were talking about fantasy is we got to get to the truth. We've got to get to the reality. What do the numbers say? What, what's really going on? And, and for us, as we interact with people, we have to get to the truth of people. We have to really know, okay, who are they? What's going on? What's their background? Why are they the, the way they are? And, and start to understand people better than we do. But too often, we write people off. Too often, we, we judge wrongly. Um, we see something and, ah, that guy, forget that guy. I'm out. And, and we don't take the, the necessary effort and time to really you know, get to know what's, what's actually the reality, the truth of who they are and, and what they're doing. And, and so, uh, there's a, there's a story in the Bible where, uh, Jesus heals uh, a man on the Sabbath and the, the religious people get all bent out of shape about it. And, and so this is what Jesus says. He says, this is in the amplified version in John, do not judge by appearance superficially and arrogantly, but judge fairly and righteously. And, and so I think that, that, that speaks to this, this whole concept of, you know, well, what's our perception of people? Let, let, let's not judge just by appearance, which really becomes superficial and arrogant, but judge fairly and, and righteously. Um, so there is, it's not like, oh, never judge. No, we judge righteously and fairly. Um, and ultimately, you know, we want to have the Bible as our foundation, as, as our backdrop, um, and then also trust in the Holy Spirit within us to give us discernment, uh, to, 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 to look beyond what the appearance is. And, and sometimes people, they want to be perceived a certain way. 
right? And we have to push through that a little bit and go, go beyond that. All right, what, what's really going on in their heart? Who are they really? Um, what's really going on? The other uh, topic is the perception of ourselves. And, and oftentimes we have a false view of, of who we are. And uh, we want other people to perceive us a different way or we just perceive ourselves wrongly. Maybe somebody said something to us growing up that stuck with us and that has given us this uh, wrong view of, of who we are. And if we have given our lives to Jesus, have surrendered our lives and, and received his free gift of salvation, we must understand who we are in Christ, what our identity is. And, and, and we need to you know, view ourselves that way, believe that, that Jesus loves us. He calls us his own. He calls us a, a, a son and daughter of, of, of God and, and, and a, a brother uh, of Jesus. And so a friend of God. And so these, these, this is who we are now. Um, and so if we, we don't have to, to perceive ourselves as, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a former this or that, or I'm a failure or all the negative things that we attach to ourselves, the labels that we attach to ourselves. Um, we view ourselves like people view Kirk cousins, right? <laughs> so, um, so we, we want to view ourselves rightly. Now, the other thing is oftentimes we can view ourselves better than, than what's really going on. And so we have to be careful of that as well. And so in Romans, it says, uh, Paul's writing, he says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. And so we want to view ourselves in light of God with humility to know that God is great. God is big. God is powerful. And he's saved us. He's changed us. He calls us his own. And, and so that gives us confidence. That's that we rest in that. It's incredible. Um, but, but we don't view ourselves as better than, than we are. I'm awesome. I'm so great. Look how awesome we, we got to keep humility. Um, so we got, we got to be careful of that as well. And then the last thing is what is our perception of God? And, and a lot of people have wrong beliefs about God and who he is. And, and somebody told them something along the way, and then they believe wrongly. It's not the, the God of the Bible. It's not the true God. It's not who Jesus really is. They got the wrong perception, the wrong impression, the, the, the wrong belief uh, about the, the, the true, loving, all-powerful, grace-filled God who judges rightly as well. Um, and so in Ephesians, uh, Paul writes this, and this is in the Amplified Version. He says, I do not cease, stop, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope and the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. And, and these are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength. And so 
we want to pray this for ourselves, pray this for others, that our eyes would be open to the truth, that, our, that, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know who God really is, to know him for, for, for his true character, and to know him personally, intimately, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to open our eyes and enlighten us, uh, and, and then be able to cherish who God really is. And, and, the, and the, the, the gift of salvation that he offers us, the eternal life that, that we, we, we were given in Christ, and the hope that we have uh, to cling to. And, and so there you go. Those are the different perceptions. What is, what is the truth in, in all those things? The truth about people, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about God. Let's seek the truth. Let, let's seek what's really happening, who people really are, who God really is, who I really am. Um, and and that not get caught up in the false perceptions uh, that are out there in all three of those those areas of life. We'd love to know your thoughts, any questions, uh, response. You can uh, send me an email, uh, fantasy at unpackingit.com, fantasy at unpackingit.com. All right, so let's say uh, hello to Harrison once again, and, and we're going to go through, uh, we'll probably just do about three different draft strategies today. And, and then we'll encourage you to check out next week's show, and we'll go a little bit more in depth on, on a number of these other uh, draft strategies. But here's one that, that people think, I, th- I think the perception is, I want a stack. So when they're drafting a team, they want the wide receiver and the quarterback. And, and so, man, if I get both those guys, if I get, uh, you know, used to be uh, – Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. Now it's Russell Wilson, and maybe is it Cortland Sutton? Is it Jerry Judy? You're trying to figure that out. It used to be Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Now do you want the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams stack? And, and so for me, Harrison, I don't like the stack. I don't want the stack. My philosophy is I don't want players from the same team in general. I like to have a little bit more of a, a spread-out approach. To where if a team ends up stinking or an injury ends up ruining a season, I'm only affected by it with one player. Now, the flip side is, oh, man, what if you jump on the, the, the Rams stack last year and you got Cooper Cup and, and Matthew Stafford and you can really run with it? Eh, too risky for me. I'd, I'd rather spread it out, so I'm a little more conservative in that regard. Uh, but do you like the stack? Do you, If you get a wide receiver early, do you want to go get that quarterback as well? So I like stacking but not with elite players like you just mentioned. Because when you have two elite players on the same team, you're depending on them both to be great every single week. If you draft Josh Allen high and Stephon Diggs high, the week where the Bills offense doesn't have a great week, it's going to be really hard to find production from the other players on your team who you took later. But I like stacking QBs and tight ends because tight ends are a really volatile position where – Pretty much if your tight end catches a touchdown, it's a good week. If he doesn't catch a touchdown, it's not a good week. So taking a good tight end with then, you know, a later round quarterback to balance out the production a little bit and and cap the floor of the tight end, I think is a great strategy. So I look at guys like Kittle with Trey Lance, Waller with taking Derek Carley, Goddard and Hurts, or taking a great quarterback like Russell Wilson and then maybe a breakout tight end like Albert O where you're getting them late. So if he has a bad week in your lineup, you know, you have stud receivers, you have stud running backs to help carry the load if that team underperforms that week. And I also like taking elite quarterbacks with a very streaky wide receiver two or three. So when they have that boom bust week, you obviously win your week. But when the streaky wide receiver doesn't catch a deep bomb, 
you know, the quarterback is still going to perform at such a high level passing to all the other options in the offense. It doesn't kill your team because you still get that production. So I look at guys like Josh Allen and then Gabriel Davis later in drafts or Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, Russell Wilson, like I said before, and then KJ Hamler as the third receiver for the Broncos, where, you know, if you can start him and he, and he pops off and has a great week, that's awesome. But if he doesn't, you still get the production from the other Denver weapons with Russ. And then you mentioned before, I love Stafford and Allen Robinson this year. Hmm. We know Stafford's going to target Cup a lot, which is going to be a baseline of solid points for Stafford. But the weeks where Allen Robinson starts torching guys on the other side of the field and you have a big Stafford game and a big Robinson game on the same week, you're pretty much going to win your week in fantasy. You know, And if Robinson doesn't have a great game, he's only the wide receiver three on your team. So you hope that the other guys on your team can make up for his poor performance. So I, I like some of those those strategies, and, and I guess where I could land comfortably, uh, sort of in the middle, I guess, to say, oh, I'm never, I don't want any of the same players. It's I don't want two starters, I guess. So if I have a starting wide receiver that I'm counting on to be a wide receiver one or two in my lineup, and then I had a backup running back from that same team, or even a backup quarterback, then a backup on my fantasy team, uh, that would be okay. But I just don't, I just can't depend on. One team. I remember last year I drafted. This was by accident because I went against. I, I just I took Chris Carson and DK Metcalf. That did not go well for me. Now Carson got injured, but but that's like the example for me. It's like ah, you know, you never want a running back and, and wide receiver from the same team. And if things go south with that team, you definitely don't want to be all in on that on that wrong team. So I, I agree. You definitely don't want guys that are com- going to compete against each other for points, like a running back, a wide receiver, a quarterback, running back or even wide receiver, wide receiver. People who would stack wide receivers on a team, you're crazy. You're Because then you're rooting for one guy to score, then you're rooting for the other guy to score. It's just a mess. Don't stack players who are going to compete against each other. Get guys who complement each other. All right, so we're going to end with, with this question, and we're going to get into other draft strategies next week. But do you care about two different things? Do you care about buys when, when you're drafting and you're looking at, at players to consider? And do you care about strength of schedule? For me, I'll start with buys. Buys mean absolutely nothing to me, and they honestly shouldn't for you as a player as well. Take the best player available, the guy who fits the roster your best. Don't worry about buys. I know their strategies well. Oh, if I all my buy weeks on one week, then you know I just lose that week, but my team's at full strength for the rest of the season. Or if I spread out my buys, then there won't be one week where I'm, I'm handicapped because I don't have my star players. But your roster changes so much during the fantasy season. If you're looking at the buy of your wide receiver three or your backup running back, that guy most likely by week four of the season is not going to be your wide receiver three or backup running back. So it doesn't matter what his buy is because he's most likely not, you know, it's never going to be taken into account when it actually gets to your starters by week. So I don't care about buys at all unless you're doing basketball. Yeah, let me jump in. So the only thing I would say is for quarterbacks and tight ends, if you're, if you're approaching, hey, here's my starting tight end, this is my backup tight end. This is my starting quarterback, this is my backup. Those you probably want to consider. But when it comes to running backs and wide receivers, a- absolutely not. It's, it changes, just to your point, way too much. You're going to pick up guys off waivers, so uh, you, you should be fine. All right, what about strength of schedule? So strength of schedule, I actually look at strength of schedule for running backs, but not much for quarterbacks and receivers. Because if you're playing a really easy team, then the quarterback's going to go nuts and throw for a ton of yards anyways. And if you're playing for a really you know hard team, it's going to be a competitive game. The quarterback's going to have to throw a lot to keep you in the game anyways. So I think strength of schedule is pretty much a wash for pass catchers. 
But for running backs, if a running back has a really easy strength of schedule, that's great because when it gets to the third, fourth quarter and the other and the team's up by 14, 20 points, that running back is going to get a ton of carries in the fourth quarter, just milking the clock the entire time. So I think running backs is extremely important, but not so much for anyone else. I'm not real into the strength of schedule. It's it's bitten me before that I worried about it, especially like for the fantasy playoffs. I tried to be real strategic, and it was silly that I did what I did um, to try to finagle the right players that were going to have great matchups in the final weeks, and it, it didn't land for me. Now, I will say I do care about divisions. Like if I know that this running back has to go up against three tough teams in the division – like you, you always expect the AFC North to always have good defenses, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns, even the Bengals now have a pretty good defense. So I'm, I'm, maybe I'm hesitant, you know, to, to consider uh, a running back in that situation or, you know, take a look maybe at, okay, what's everybody's secondary look like um, in that division? Cause I know they're going to play those teams multiple times. Um, so that, that'd probably be the only time I, but even to that, I'm not, I'm not overly analyzing it. It's just if I'm if I'm debating between two guys, maybe I would take a look at, ooh, he's got a tougher division. That makes me nervous. So, and then I give the edge to the guy who's who's playing in that uh let's see, this year, uh, maybe my Panthers in the NFC South might be the easy division. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, Harrison. Well, we're gonna stop there. And and next week you'll want to come back because we'll talk about tier-based draft drafting. We'll talk about zero running backs, zero wide receivers. What does that mean? What does that look like? And the age-old question. Do you handcuff or not handcuff when it comes to fantasy running backs? I'm passionate about this topic. So tune in next Tuesday uh, for another edition of the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast presented by MediShare. He's Harrison Zuckerberg. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're sports fans who follow follow Jesus. We're uh, fantasy owners who follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that he died on the cross for our sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, we've been saved by his grace. And we hope that is true for you as well. And we hope you'll join us as we go throughout the fantasy season uh, together, as we follow Jesus together. And so thanks so much for listening today. Uh, Really appreciate it. Go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com, sign up, become a member. And then also, if you want to play in one of our listener leagues, go to unpackingit.com slash fantasy. We'll talk to you next week. This has been the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare.